Alrighty, gang. Welcome to Brolosophy. Philosophy through the eyes of an idiot. Um, so, <clears throat> today, we are sponsored by True Protein. So, if you guys want supplements for all your training needs, uh, True Protein are the place to go. So, you can head to trueprotein.com.au and check out their full range. So their full range includes all your different types of proteins, whey protein, vegan protein, weight loss protein, night protein, elite protein, collagen protein. Look, to be honest, they might have too much protein. Um, Also, they have performance-based blends, weight loss blends, meal replacement blends, post-workout fat burners, blah, blah, blah. Um, Mass gainers, they've got um, health foods like... um, superfood powders, nut butters, uh, MCT oils, all the good stuff. So no matter what you guys are trying to do for your training and wellness needs, um, if you're a weightlifter, if you're a figure model, if you're a keto kid, um, whatever you need, True Protein have got it for you. So that's really great. And they're a partner of ours and a long-time partner of ours. So if you want to support the show, then if you have supplement needs, then head on over to trueprotein.com.au, use the code BRO, and you will get 10% off. Also, we are brought to you today by Yeti. So Yeti guys, uh, I've lost my Yeti read um, about um, what Yeti are, but they're actually just, to simplify it, they're the best, <clears throat> to simplify it, they're the best premium outdoor brand uh, in the Australian marketplace. So they have multiple different uh, options for your coolers. So getting out into the wild, if you're going camping, if you're going fishing, if you're going um, just a weekend away, uh, you're having a barbecue with your, with your buds. They've got the Tundra, which is this massive um, epic cooler that's probably, it's probably you would have to say, the best cooler, um, you know, um, what would you call it? Esky in Australia, chili bin, chili bun, chili, chili bun in New Zealand. Um, Bugger if I know what they call it in other places. But <clears throat> they've got the best coolers uh, in the world, really. So um, here's some of the uh, here's some of the read. Born out of a frustration with coolers that cracked, caved, and gave up, Yeti set out to improve three main elements: durability, extended ice retention, and weather resistance. Um, so I've got my um, Yeti tumbler next to me here. Keeps my water and or coffee hot and or cool, which is great. Um, they've got all kinds of stuff, guys. So um, basically, why is Yeti worth it? Well, you get what you pay for, superior insulation. They're virtually indestructible and you get a five-year warranty on all hard coolers. So to learn more about Yeti, jump online at au.yeti.com forward slash bro. And don't look back. Alrighty. Lastly, guys, we are brought to you today by Athena. So what is Athena? Athena is an online freelancer marketplace, guys. So basically what we do is we find the most talented freelancers all around the world and we align them with our clients to work inside of their business. So if you're a business owner, for example, and you have... Let's use, let's use a, a worked example here. So Say you're a business owner and you have 40 hours in your week and it's you and a small team and so on and so forth. Um, if you've got 40 hours in your week and you split those ta- uh, that time into tasks, so you've got your real top priority tasks, 15 hours a week, that's sales, marketing, retention, um, whatever that might be. Then you've got, say, 10 hours of in-between, middle, middle grade tasks, stuff that's not the absolute needle movers, but stuff that still needs to be done. And then you've got 15 hours of absolute rubbish tasks, low value tasks, I shouldn't say it like that. Um, But tasks that need to be done, but don't need to be done by the most experienced, you know, the most um, trusted uh, members of the team. So that might be some sort of um, research, data entry, Um, reconciling the books, chasing failed payments. All these tasks exist inside of every business. And the whole idea is to get a really highly qualified, motivated, overqualified really, um, you know, uh, squire to come in and help you in your business to take those 15 
hours of you know low value tasks turn them into maybe two hours of management or an hour of management per week and then give you 13 or 14 hours to focus on the high value stuff so it's more sales marketing retention partnerships product development whatever it is that's how business really should work guys you should be building a team around you in order for you to concentrate on the most important things as the entrepreneur or the business owner or the leader or whatever you want to call yourself um, and making sure that the the low end stuff gets taken by um, taken off your plate by somebody who can um, yeah help you do your best work so if you're in a position where you need some administrative help if you're in a position where you need some um, some some content marketing help some some media help some SEO um, whatever it is we can help you we can find whoever you're looking for so to make an inquiry head to athena.co um, or uh, and you'll get 20 hours free if you use the code bro when you in the in the inquiry box um, also you can also email me directly if you have any questions at doc doc at athena.co and that's a-t-h-y-n-a and that's it so here's the show now before we do this let's go over the ground rules rule number one no touching of the hair or face and that's it yo Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. So, all right, cool. So, um, welcome to Royalosophy. We have Chris Smith on the show. Chris is um, director of Big Esports. Um, yeah, something that I know very little about. So, um, yeah, Chris, welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, um, and kind of what you do? Yeah, sure. So I've been around in the esports and gaming industry for just over a decade now. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of sat on all six sides of the fence, I like to say. So I started off, as many people do, as a top-level player. Mm-hmm. Played a few games in top teams. Uh, took a likening to commentary. Mm-hmm. So I tried out for a commentary company called Net Game Radio, yep. which was all online, like a like an online radio station, basically. Yep. Did a bunch of commentary through them. And as happens a bit in the industry, I had a contact, a guy I was working with, and said, hey, I'm a graphics designer, AD distributor for a tech company. This tech company wants to launch a, a new line of products into the space, and they want to run a $30,000 tournament. I'm the only gamer they know, so they told me I have to do it. Can mm-hmm. you please help me? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I said... Right. All right, I also know nothing, but let's give it a crack <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and let's try it out. So that was kind of my entry into the professional side of the industry, I guess. And yep. um, yeah, the company I worked for, like what I did, offered me a job, moved up from Tassie, where I grew up, up to Victoria here in 2011, worked mm-hmm. for them for a few years doing PR and marketing and community management in that space. Mm-hmm. And quite often, community manager is a code word for underpaid marketing manager. <laughs> yeah. So I did the hard yards there for a while, did a bit of everything, uh, managed one of Australia's first professional players over that period of time. Yep. It was a sponsor, did keynote speeches, did trade shows, events, expos, running my own tournaments and was a semi-pro player as well at that, mm-hmm. at that same time. The things you can do when you're 19 and yeah. you have a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I, I moved into becoming a journo for about a year, year and a half, covering yep. tech products. Mm-hmm. Kind of semi-left the industry, I guess, studied social work as well throughout that time. And then I got headhunted back into the industry to do a very similar position at a US company um, and then ended up leaving to go out on my own. So you can probably tell from the amount of different things I've done is mm. I don't like to be locked down to one thing necessarily. No, no you're a real similar. floater. Yeah, you're it seems a, a bit similar to you, right? It's yeah. like the action, the excitement. It's hard to be you know, just attached to one brand, one company, unless you own the brand or the company. Yeah, and oh, then- still though, <clears throat> still. Um, I have uh, Athena and I'm always, I'm like, oh, I want to start a um, subscription dog food business. I want to <laughs> start a um, glamping business with my brother. And I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty similar, I think. Um, yeah. I just like to be excited by things. I guess you probably do too, new challenges yes. and, um, 
it's like, yeah, I've just started um, um, bouldering around the corner. That's a new skill and a new sport. I'm like, this is great. And I'll probably move on from that in yes. know, a month's time to something else. Exactly. But um, all right, cool. So you grew up in Tassie. So what's your background? You come from a big family, small family. Were you a sporty kid? Were you a yep. gamer kid? Only Obviously, child. Yeah. And I'd, I guess I, I, sat in the, I sat in the middle, which is becoming much more of a common thing now, where I played cricket every single day, loved sports. I loved mm-hmm. playing soccer as well. However, I also equally love playing video games. Mm-hmm. And there's nowhere for you to sit. Yeah. Most of my gamer mates hated sports. I hated going outside. They hated yeah. any kind of physical You're education. Really one or the other, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and they were the very cliche of basement nerds, as yeah. you affectionately call them. Whereas, you know, then you don't get along with the jocks because you like to play video games. You don't dress the same way they do. You don't like all the same things. I don't care about certain things they care about too. So Mm -hmm. sitting in the middle. So yeah, for me, I was born in Queensland. Family's from Queensland. Mm -hmm. Um, Moved down to Tassie, about kindergarten, then back to... Back to Queensland, back to Tassie again. Oh, really? Did most of my schooling in, in Tasmania, which is a great place to grow up. Terrible place to live, yeah. unless you work for the government, then it's yeah. all right. Yeah. Because there's not much to do. <laughs> yeah. Why the back and forth? Uh, we, it's, it's a really, it's a crazy story. Basically, my parents were in a Christian organization that mm-hmm. they thought... After, I don't know, 10, 15 years, they went, we actually, actually I think this is a cult. <laughs> and they left. I mean, it, it, And then they went back. No, well, <laughs> well, basically they moved to Tasmania with it, left, went gotcha. back to Queensland, lived with my family. Because yeah. when you leave a coal, you don't have any money. You yeah. don't have a job, you don't have any money. Yeah, you don't have any actual real concept of the world either. Exactly, the yeah. <laughs> so it was, I mean, it was a semi-cult. They got some good professional qualifications out of it, but, you know, as with these things, they're, they're messy. But then yeah. we moved back to Tassie. My dad grew up in Longreach, which is a thousand k's inland from Brisbane. Gotcha. And I think he got sick of 44 degrees every day during the summer. So mm-hmm. they wanted to go somewhere the opposite. Mm-hmm. He much prefers the cold. Yeah, so, really? Yeah. He's one of those weirdos. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. okay. <laughs> yeah, sweet. So Tassie was great. Yeah, I, I, I've been meaning to get down to Tassie. I just hear uh, amazing things. My dad did a big motorbike tour around Tasmania. Yeah. Um, one of my best buddies was um, hassling me to go do this um, over uh, three-night hike down there. The three Capels hike. I don't know what it was called, actually. I think that's what it was called. But mm. it's supposed to be a beautiful part of the world. It's very crazy. reminiscent of New Zealand from yes. like, what people tell me. It's, and New Zealand's outstanding. Yeah, it's, I'd say it's a, it's a mini New Zealand without, yeah. na- without the natural disasters. Because yeah. there's, zero, there's zero there. You don't get... That's great. Besides a little bit of flooding that really kills no one and gets rid of no houses. There's mm-hmm. no fires. There's no earthquakes. There's nothing. Yeah. No cyclones, nothing down there. Yeah, that's great. Because yeah. we're pretty lucky in Australia, but we just get everything lights up yeah. at, the drop of, at the drop of a hat, which sucks, you know? But we're yeah. pretty good natural disasters-wise, I think, Australia. We're pretty lucky. Yeah. And the Kiwis get shaken left, right, and center. Yeah. But you reckon Tassie's where it's at? Yeah, Safest exactly. place in the world. So it probably is, you know, but also because <laughs> yeah. there's not many people there. And yeah, I mean, that's a, right. A fun fact, I, I did Air Force cadets for about six years as a kid. And um, I mean, the wildlife, there's, there's not as many spiders in Tasmania. It's, there's not as many things, except... Every sing- from, from my understanding, yeah, of course. But <laughs> from my understanding, is every single snake in Tasmania is poisonous. Yeah. But in all my years in cadets, going out way out into the bush doing survival courses and stuff, I didn't see a snake once. Yeah, so right. It's too so they're, cold they're all deadly, but there's like six of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they spread out. You know their names and where they live. <laughs> yeah, so just don't right. go knocking. That's right. Yeah. yeah, sweet. Oh, that's cool. So, um, so. Take me back to like um, becoming. You said you were a gamer and you kind of, but you're also a bit sporty. I was quite similar, actually. I think we would have been. I was um, not really so much of a gamer, but I was a real comic book nerd. But I was yeah. like um, obsessed with football and trying to play AFL and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I know where you're talking about. I know the, you know, the um, meeting point there. Yeah. So, but obviously, you know, we all played video games. How come you ended up playing professional video games? It was a lot of it was I fell into it by by accident, like most people do. Think because I had that competitive nature. Mm-hmm. Like in, in regards to cricket, I used to play every recess and lunch every day, and then I'd yeah. bowl down my driveway at night time. Yeah. you know, wanting to be a great player. Uh-huh. But with video games as well, I started playing first person shooters, so namely a game called Battlefield Two for mm-hmm. a while. You know, I started off as most people do as a 15, 14 year old. You're pretty terrible. You pick a sniper class, you sit on a roof and, you know, you just kind of fluff around a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then I started thinking when I started becoming a bit better, I started thinking, well, how can I test my skills against Mm -hmm. someone else? How can Mm -hmm. I show that I'm the best Battlefield 2 player? I'm the better sniper. I'm better at this certain map or this class or whatever Mm -hmm. than someone else. So there was a thing in game where you could set a clan tag, which is basically in that's an early esports organization. People would just play under the same tag together. Mm -hmm. They might play in some casual comp. And I didn't know what that meant. And I was in a. I used to go in the same server every night, um, 
uh, which was always on the same map and the same style of game because that was my favorite. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy there that used to go there most nights as well that had a clan tag on. And I just mm -hmm. asked him, I was like, A, how are you so good? B, what does a clan tag mean? Mm -hmm. And C, what does your clan tag mean? Mm -hmm. So then we started talking and then started going from there and, and he educated me on the competitive scene. Gotcha. All right. So how old are you, Chris? I'm 28. 28. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm only 33. I'm just trying to think because when I was coming up, this competitive gaming wasn't really a thing. Correct. You know, like I was yep. of the I was of the firstly like Super Mario and so forth into or and Alex a kid yeah. into like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter yep. and you know maybe Doom and so forth was around that time. And then I, I guess I must have just missed the wave of yeah real competitive uh, uh, more so than just sitting in your lounge room playing against your best mate. Yeah. So when did that exactly. all actually hit the scene? The actual online competitive nature. You could say it's you could say it's in two different bits right so yep. there was a there was like an esports scene that was starting to become a thing before the global financial crisis for example yep. so thinking back to like i can't remember exactly what the year was but it might have been like 05 or 03 there's quake which is developed yep. by id software john carmack the ceo was a massive ferrari fan mm -hmm. and he loved to chuck turbos on ferraris which is the massive thing apparently you just don't do with those right. cars <laughs> okay but he ran a global tournament and the first place prize was his twin turbo ferrari that he gave <laughs> yeah, away right. to someone yeah, and right. he gave that to, he gave that to the guy that won and the guy couldn't afford the insurance, couldn't afford to <laughs> register it. So he went to an ATM. This is the story. Got out a bunch of money, gave it to him and said, here you go. Really? And he also couldn't afford to ship it home <laughs> to himself either. <laughs> right. So there was that. And, and even thinking about the championship gaming series in 07, 08, that was... Um, a studio-like environment. It was televised. There was a salaried team from Australia called Sydney Underground, mm -hmm. a team from London, um, Chicago. And many... this was in-house? They flew in for the tournament or yeah. was it all online? Yeah, so it was all, all in-house. It was yeah, in the right. US. Gotcha. There, was a, there was reportedly some commentators making a million-dollar salary to play. Um, it was you know live audience flames coming up, pay TV, mm. all that kind of stuff. Really? But that fell down partly due to lavish overspending and also partly due to the, the GFC. Yeah, It right. kind of seemed to kick everything down. But, I mean, it's been going along a while in the underground sense, but mm -hmm. you could say almost like as far as the mainstream world is concerned, 2019 is probably the first year of esports that yeah. has existed on a global scale where you've got people that are actually earning some serious money and not just the people who are the 0.01%, but maybe the 1%, which mm. is very similar to sport, right? Everybody mm. likes to make the comparison comparison between esports and, and traditional sports and likes to make the comparison of earnings but you know if you're a VFL player you're not you're not earning good money and no. you're most likely working at the same time as well for sure you the are. same way that if you're an if you're an esports player if you're not in the top eight teams in the world for a certain game you're probably not earning much money either mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting I remember um maybe it is yeah 2019 because I think it was probably this year that I had I heard the first conversation on I would say it would have been another podcast I think I know which podcast it was but talking about the fact that now we're at the period where it used to be, you know, your mum would say, hey, go outside and, or go kick the football. Or, you know, your parents yeah. would be very pushing you into trying to do well at sport and so on and so forth. Yeah. Whereas now you might be an extremely elite esports player and your parents might be like, all right, cool. Well, go to your room and fucking get on that video game. You know, it might <laughs> yeah. be something that people are actually pushing yeah. their kids into because yeah. they're talented at it. Yeah. Where, is that probably, you think that's kind of just been a recent thing the last couple of years where it's been a realistic yeah life plan yeah and even for me like like a lot of a lot of my business is conducted on on linkedin yeah um and i've got inbounds from from mothers and fathers now saying hey i think my kid might have some serious skill and he really wants to take Fortnite seriously linkedin i thought you it know. would have been tiktok <laughs> not, quite. Your, not quite not quite but so then funny. and then it's you know for them it's about how can i support my child to become yeah. a better player and yeah. you know for me it's, it's similar answers to like what you were saying you know my mom always used to yell at me to get off the computer yeah. tell me i could never get a job in the industry and now yeah. i've been working in the industry for what like eight eight plus yeah. years or showed something you, like mom. that <laughs> exactly yeah showed you uh with with a small stint in social work which is her profession so she yeah, won right. for a little bit yeah and then, gotcha. then i came back but yeah it's it's exactly about that it's about like identifying the youngsters as they're coming up Mm. So, what are we talking in terms of like the growth of esports? Because um, before this show, I, I like to come in pretty fresh to, to ideas in the show. I like to, yeah, because that's how the audience of the, of the listeners are normally. They haven't yep. researched, you know, a whole lot about said guest or whatever the, the field is, but I also do a little bit of research, you know, in preparation. And, and, um, and I remember reading a bunch of reports and so forth on the rise of esports. So, what are we actually talking like? How many people are actually playing esports? How much 
people are playing video games in comparison to 20 years ago? Like, what yep. what does it actually look like? Sure. So the first thing to denote <coughs> is the difference between esports and gaming. Yeah. So if you take the difference between sport and a leisure activity yep. and then transpose that to esports as sports and leisure activity as gaming. Yep. So if you're just kicking a footy with your mates down at the beach, that's not sport. You're yep. more just having a bit that's of fun. That's real competitive. This, yeah, this, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the same way that if you're just playing Candy Crush at home, Minecraft, Fortnite, whatever, playing yep. on your mobile, on a, on a, on a PlayStation, on Xbox, on a PC, you're not participating in esports sports mm-hmm. unless there's some sort of structure behind it yep, so sure. if you're even competing in Wednesday night mixed netball with a team you still paid an entry fee yep. you're still going to win something it's still a ladder yep. so it's still a sport the yep. same way that if you're in the gym doing squats lifting weights to jump higher to run faster for footy that's still participating in the whole ecosystem of sport mm-hmm. the same way that if you were doing aim practice muscle memory or you were studying replays to mm-hmm. to look at strategy to become a better player mm-hmm. so Esports is one section of the gaming market. So you've got so many different games that are and aren't esports. Like, for example, Angry Birds, that's not an esport. There's no big competitors. You can't play really against someone. It's not a game that has a high skill ceiling. Um, Whereas with esports, you've got some games that are pure esports, maybe a game like Quake Live Mm -hmm. or, or, or Quake Champions, maybe a game like Counter Strike that's very focused towards esports or you've got some that blew the lines a little bit like Fortnite that a lot of the younger people are playing there's even some Minecraft competitive um, aspects in there other games like Overwatch and League of Legends that pander to both sides of the audience Mm -hmm. so as far as you know a bit of an idea in the global market the global games market as, as a whole total available market is larger than movies and music combined what? There are games out there, for example, I made a LinkedIn post yesterday or this morning about Roblox, which is a mobile game, which is once again gaming. It's mainly aimed at kids who aren't even into Minecraft yet, so quite young kids. Mm -hmm. That's made a billion dollars revenue in the past 20, it was 2016 when it came out. So the past three years, a billion dollars revenue, 67%-ish of that is from the US. There's other games like... um, Corinthians Free Fire, which is a mobile game, super popular in Southeast Asia, super popular in Brazil. Global finals for that just happened. Mm-hmm. The team that won has 700,000 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other things like Ninja, who's the streamer that everybody knows, who's easily making, or well, in his in his prime, was easily making over 1.2 mil a month in revenue. He was sponsored by Uber Eats, sponsored by Bonds, with a line of undies and coming out. And this is just out. streaming him playing video games. Correct. Yep. On YouTube. Yeah. Yep. Or YouTube, Twitch, whatever. Yeah, yep. YouTube videos, Twitch, across on Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of follow through as well so those are so those are some of the, the larger numbers I mean there's even another uh, mobile game which I'd post hey, can I go back to one thing you said because I just yeah. want to before I forget it before I forget it, I know you've got heaps more you want to just keep riffing on about but I wanted to go <laughs> back lots to lots of numbers I want to go back to um, you said the esports or the gaming in total industry is bigger than gaming. movies gaming, video games video games yep. is bigger than movies and music combined correct since when uh, that's a good question I have to look that up but it's, it's that's an incredible statistic yeah definitely that is and, mental and I think it's 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 the it's the fact that it's overlooked all the time because I mean if, if you look at it from the standpoint of these companies it's the older people that are in charge that haven't grown up with this mm-hmm. so I'll use a direct example I, I took a bit of time to talk to some politicians in Victoria yep. I went to meet with Matthew Guy who used to be um, the Liberal and they used to hold a seat here in Melbourne and or Victoria and I could see his brain figuring out the process when I was talking to him about gaming and opportunities related in that and yep. how governments could become involved and he was saying that Basically, he's like, yeah, actually, my kid plays Minecraft, and every time all of his friends come over, all they want to do is play Minecraft. And while the, the parent often has it in their mind that, oh, this is just a silly game that just my one child plays, mm-hmm. they start to realize that actually every single parent I know, all they do is talk about how much their kids want to play Minecraft and Fortnite. Maybe there yeah. isn't an audience here. It's and like maybe f- the fact that I w- need to buy a new console every year for my kid for yeah. Christmas, maybe all the other parents have to as well. Yeah, it's like uh, five, five young kids times two or three days a week of like five hours of engagement each. If you turn that into like movie watching or social media engagement or whatever, that's a huge amount of attention. Really, yeah. attention is where it's at. You know, what yeah. are we paying attention to? That's what's going to make the most money. So yeah. if you break it down like that, and I guess it's the stuff that you don't see. You don't see kids. It's all, you know, younger age brackets. So in my life, in my line of work, in my day-to-day, I don't see people sitting playing video games at all, you know. Yeah. But but um, that's an incredible stat. So... But talk to me. This is uh, sorry. This is a bit, a little bit of a tangent, yeah, kind sure. of. But I am interested again in something you just said. With so sitting down and talking to government. So when you sit down and broach that topic, okay, guys. Hey, here's what we want to, you know, put forward, and we want to grow the the sport of esports. Where are the opportunities for governments to jump in? 
There's there's so many in it. I mean, it's the same thing with brands. So for mm. my business, primarily what we try to do is bring new companies into the industry. Mm-hmm. And I just say companies as a catch-all. So you can include governments, you can include investors, include yeah. brands, anything in, in there. And try to educate them on ways to enter the market. So a massive, one of the biggest government supporters in the world is the state of Georgia in the US. So I just did a podcast with the CEO of a games development studio called Hi-Res. They have 450 employees there. And they just built... I think it was about a $10 million studio and facility to run an esports league out of. The government back-end back end funds 30 cents of every dollar for that. So because of that, they've now got that 450-person um, games development studio, plus now a whole league of which there's an Australia team that plays in there that I think just placed third or fourth. So they've yep. all flown over from Australia to live in Atlanta now too. So bringing economic advantage there. <laughs> plus this morning I did a podcast with Ali Young, the CEO and founder of Access Replay. They're also based in Atlanta as mm-hmm. well. Massive esports facility with 50-plus computers plus a bar and a full restaurant, all based mm-hmm. around gaming and esports. Mm-hmm. So bringing in the, the old standard, the Liberal Party think of jobs and growth. I mean, that's, that's some of the very standard one. The other part as well is tourism and bringing big events in here. So yep. the Victorian government, Visit Victoria, they support the MotoGP. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they support things in the cricket. They support things in the footy. They mm-hmm. also support the Melbourne Esports Open. Mm-hmm. So when the Melbourne Esports Open happens, that's in the Melbourne Olympic Park precinct mm-hmm. across Rod Laver, um, Margaret Court Arena and the Melbourne Arena. And it's all about gaming. It's all about esports throughout that whole time. And they support that with funding too. And that's a ploy to get people to fly whether it's from other states, whether it's from overseas, to mm. come in as well to bring the tourism money mm. into the local space. Far out. Um, that's mind-boggling. So, okay, here's a random question for you. Mm. Why do people like gaming so much? Because obviously we have... Um, it's similar to, obviously, people getting stuck in their phones, I feel like, and all yeah. the flashy lights and so on and so forth that's grabbing you and grabbing your attention out of the real life and day-to-day. Yeah. Because, let's be honest... You know, half the people listening to this podcast probably grew up and most of their time was spent outside riding their bikes, throwing a ball, kicking the footy, going for a surf, whatever. Yeah. And then half probably, you know, were of the age where video games were quite big and quite a, you know, part of their culture and society. Why is it so big? Why is it growing so fast? What is the attraction scientifically? Why are people so drawn to it? I think for for esports specifically, one of the great things is that it's a participatory sport. Yeah. So when the AFL Grand Final is on, I don't see a lot of my friends, even the ones that like AFL, going and signing up for the local footy club, going and even kicking the footy necessarily. You know, my partner's family, they've been Sydney Swans fans since the Swans were a Melbourne team, so intergenerational. Yet none of them play footy, not even casually. Mm -hmm. And the only time I've ever seen them kick a footy, which was on the AFL Grand Final this year because it was really... It was really shit. So we all left in the third quarter to <laughs> yeah, go kick the footy instead of watching the rest of it because it was a big whitewash. Yeah. But besides that, they don't. However, when the Intel Extreme Masters tournament in Sydney happens, which is at QS Bank Arena, which they sell 12,000 tickets, it's an international um, tournament series with an Australian stop. Mm-hmm. We're based, and one of our investors is Playside Studios, a 55-person games development studio. They do mobile apps as well out of Port Melbourne. And looking around, you can see the people stop playing whatever game they're playing at that period of time and then start playing Counter-Strike mm-hmm. in the lead up to that tournament for a month, two months. They get caught up in the hype. They get interested. Mm-hmm. When that's done, they usually stop. They go back to another game. When the Dota 2 International Tournament happens, you see the numbers spike in Dota 2, people playing and, mm-hmm. and people becoming involved. There's even some games where you can watch a replay of a game happening and then you can jump in and play from that period of time in that replay against a mate. So imagine you see the best, imagine you're a massive NRL fan. You've just seen Jonathan Thurston do this awesome try that, that happened years ago. And then all of a sudden you can wait until he's about to do the play and then you can snap your fingers and you're looking through his eyes and you can do that play yourself mm. as well. Mm. It's much more, it's much easier to get involved because all you need is a computer internet connection at home or a phone. You don't need to get 16 people together to play footy. You don't need a ground. You don't need the weather to be good. You don't need to drive to the... Yeah, you don't need to drive to the facility Very either. Easily, easily accessible, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, Jonathan, Jonathan Thurston's... Um, that Jonathan Thurston's example you just gave me, it was kind of like, I guess, augmented reality. I suppose yeah. this is stuff that you'd be talking... You're a tech guy. You'd be yeah. talking about and thinking about and probably is integrated into a lot of games. I don't know. Yeah, not but yet, ha- but it's ha- coming. Ha- yeah. yeah, how much of, you know... How much of this buzz that people get is because it's kind of like molding um, their experience with their reality? Is that are we at that stage with augmented reality, with virtual reality, and so forth? Or not, where's not that yet, but it will be in yeah, the future. Sure, so sure I did. Uh, I tried out this game called IB Cricket the other day. 
Um, and they did a, they, they've basically got a VR cricket game that's mm-hmm. uh, in support with three IPL teams in India. Mm-hmm. And the teams over there say that it's extremely realistic in the fact that um, you need to be a quality cricket player to play at the top level in this, in this actual game. So you wear a VR headset, you've got a bat that feels quite weighty, mm-hmm. and you're waiting and you're, and, you're, you know, and, you, and you're playing the game. So you there roll? are... No, no, not yet. <laughs> Need so a 30, there's 30 meter gaming room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and not like you can bowl, which is a phone. So at least you can do different bowls. So you gotcha. can you can try to outsmart them, outwit them. Yeah, but yeah. primarily it's it's the game. Mm-hmm. There's other there's other things like uh, Haddo, which is like dodgeball. Mm-hmm. So it's an AR thing, and you can see the other people. But you've also basically got like Hadoukens and Street Fighter. You can mm-hmm. throw like fireballs at people. Mm-hmm. You've got shields that you can pop up and things like that too. Mm-hmm. So there are these things that are starting to come into the space. But I think that that's a massive future. I mean, cycling esports is massive now too, mm-hmm. because you don't need to travel somewhere. You can can do all of the qualify series from home find the best players and then you can put them in person to cycle and it's just as hard as cycling in real life mm. because besides the wind resistance you've still got the resistance of the bike and you've still got all the physicality that go into it as well mm, for sure well this is all very exciting stuff for esports and, and the gaming community for sure mm. um but surely you must have pushback um, maybe governmentally or you must hear it from parents or from um, health organizations I'm not really yep. sure but because using the example of you know the young kid who can either sit inside and play a video game all day or go outside and bowl the you know throw a cricket ball around and keep the footy with the mates like if you're a parent and I'm interested to actually ask you this mm. but me as a parent um, you know I know what I would want my child doing and you as a parent I would love to hear what you actually think but where you know I find that it's it can't be a healthy way to spend your time. Realistically, how do you how do you combat that? Answer that question first. What yeah. what would you want your kid doing? Yeah, for sure. Growing up, so it's so so basically, my answer to that is is um, look at all of the sports professionals that now play video games to relax in the downtime. Because there's only so many hours you can go outside before you get sunburnt or before the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. If you're training for an MMA, there's only so many rounds you can spar for. Mm-hmm. There's only so many hours per day you can lift weights, go for a run. Mm-hmm. So what we find is that um, I heard a story that that Rafael Nadal apparently one of his first or or is it Federer, either of the two, one of their first requests when they come to Australian Open is a PS4 in their room with FIFA. Mm-hmm. And the days leading up to the tournament, that's all he does. He shuts inside. He doesn't want yeah. to think about the game. He wants to yeah. he wants to zone out, relax his body, and get ready for the tournament to happen. It'd be very meditative, I think. I yeah. Would say, so there's sure. so there's a certain amount of balance that needs to happen, mm. and that's what becomes hard sometimes when a there's a lot of fast food companies that might be advertising to people, mm-hmm. and b there's that push for it's it's mental, it's not physical, so you can play for longer. Mm-hmm. So an example from when I was a kid. Um, with one of my best mates. So he used to clock off work as an IT trainee at 4.30, get to his house by 5.15. We would play games nonstop until 7 a.m. Yeah. Then I would go to sleep, wake up at 1 p.m., play till 6, drive home. Oof. So and, and drink about, probably about 14 cans of Coke throughout that time as well. Used to, usually used to, 14 cans of Coke. That's the most dangerous thing of the whole... Of the whole um, that's... That's where you form. Yeah, and I would literally, I would literally play until my <laughs> skill had deteriorated so much because my game couldn't, because my brain couldn't process yeah, what was your happening. Your eyes had just shut down. Yeah, like I couldn't yeah, kill anyone anymore sure. because I had no reaction times left. That was <laughs> yeah. it, and I would, I would seriously just play to, to basically body collapse, which is not yeah. healthy. Yeah. So it's about educating people about that. So we've been talking to a lot of brands, and I've been talking to industry members through some of our content we've done. And the pull is for, or the push is to get more health food brands into gaming. Mm. There is an absolute feeling. I feel like there's an un ending amount of people that are into uh, physio and similar um, fitness and similar and also mental health and coaching and similar that are trying to get into the esports market now as well offering the services well that's good um, another another problem that I see with it is the fact that <clears throat> so we have little monkey brains right that you know like bright things and, yeah. and shiny objects and loud noises and stuff yep. that's you know yeah so obviously the iPhone is the best example of it the iPhone is built by the smartest people in the world to capture our attention and hold it for as long as humanly possible and they're fucking yeah. good at it. Yeah. You know, the red the red notification emoji is red because that fires us up the most. Yeah. You know, if it was green, we'd be like, ah, oh, you know what, I'll check that later. But yeah. it fires us up. So <clears throat> when we're talking about the fact that we need to educate people, we need to have healthy brands coming in and so forth and we need to do all the right things so there's a good balance in the, you know, work, life, gaming, whatever, you know, that, that somebody yeah. has. But how do you combat the fact that so the people that are building Fortnite and League of Legends and whatever all these gaming platforms and games are, mm. games and game platforms, how do you come out the fact that <clears throat> what they're doing is the same? You know, they have the smartest people in the world 
you know, they've got everyone in these corporations is, you know, earning $150,000, $200,000 a year. They're the people that are extremely good at manipulating our, um, manipulating our um, attention, you mm. know, stealing our attention, I should say. Yeah. So how do you combat that? Because I think we're always going to be up against it because they're smarter than us and we don't have control of ourselves. Yeah, I think it's true. And I, I agree about phones. I've done all of the same stuff with the mobile for a while, turn on grayscale, mm-hmm. you know, try not to use it as possible. Bro, I've done all that. Yeah. And I'm still on my phone all day, every day. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's really hard, yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of it is, you know, an example that we're working on at the moment with two different two different lifestyle and fitness style companies is to, is to start producing content and educating people and attaching it to things they care about so using an influencer not to promote maccas necessarily but using an influencer to promote a fitness regime there was a big thing that went viral a few years ago in league of legends which was an exercise regime that said all right every single time you die in league of legends do five Mm push-ups every single time you lose a game do 30 squats in the queue while you're waiting for the next game Mm -hmm. there's other um, games that tell you to go outside over a certain period of time Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is about that education aspect because if you don't know you don't know the same way that socioeconomic Economically, like what I learned in, in social work is that if you're in a lower socioeconomic area, you're more likely to be unhealthy and to eat unhealthy food sure. simply because you don't have the education of how mm-hmm. to do anything else. So if I had that education as a, as a kid growing up in Tasmania, I probably wouldn't have drunk 16 Cokes in a night mm. playing, you know, 14, 15 plus hours stint in, in Battlefield 2. Nah, but the thing is, you probably would have. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This, is the, this yeah. is the issue, you know. I, I feel like that's all well and good to say, if I'm a if I'm a bloody thirteen year old kid and I'm playing League of Legends and I'm having a sick time and I die and it says do five push ups, I say, nah, mate. Yeah, you'd be su- <laughs> like- you'd be surprised. And I guess uh, really what I'm getting at is you need to you need to give them a reason to care. The yeah. same way that so I talked about this in the podcast this morning. Preconceived idea is that gamers don't like to leave their bedrooms. They don't mm. like to go anywhere. They and the cliche like in South Park is their basement dwellers live in their grandma's basement. They eat Doritos, Cheetah they drink fingers. Mountain Dew. Exactly. <laughs> That's all they ever do. They don't go outside. However, you look at all the influencer meetups, FaZe Clan did a meetup at New York City, a pop up store. Um, a pop-up activation at a sports store, 14 city blocks. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's the line to mm-hmm. go and see them. It got shut down by the cops because there were too many people there. Mm-hmm. The next day, just one of them in FaZe Clan went to a meetup in California. 4,000 kids turn up in 100-degree weather. Mm-hmm. They did another one. They did a FaZe Clan Kappa collab release a couple of weeks ago. They got another 6,000 people to turn up. You look at these mm-hmm. tournaments that are selling 10 to 15 to 20,000 tickets to go to live events. So people do want to go to things, but you've got to give them a reason to care. So it's mm. the same way to how do you make an apple interesting to someone as interesting as a cheeseburger is. Mm. There needs to be a reason. So if you can use a fitness company to work with an influencer and by their name, they're influencing people. If that influencer talks about the need to take healthy breaks, how they're really into yoga, how they're really mm. into fitness, like is becoming trendy now with a lot of the gaming influencers, then that becomes a positive influence. A really easy example is there's a guy from Poland, Counter-Strike guy, who I used to follow as a pro player because I used to play most of the same positions as him in the same game. Mm-hmm. called Pasha that's his in-game name and his nickname is Pasha Biceps because he's huge mm-hmm. and he has inspired a lot of people to go hit the gym because his arms are bigger than my head <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah okay cool so <clears throat> I understand what you're saying there's obviously you know things steps that are being put in place in the right direction but who's enforcing this is it governments that are enforcing it is it the gaming institutions that are enforcing it like who's actually mm-hmm. being held accountable so that people don't sit and play Fortnite for 17 hours a day because that is not yep. healthy. Yeah, the hard thing to understand about about gaming that's, that's different is the commerciality of it. So esports as an industry doesn't have a regulator because they're all private or public companies that have their mm-hmm. own commercial interests. Mm-hmm. So you can't claim to be a governing body, for example, mm-hmm. because why would EA, who's a red, who's a public trading company, EA Activision in the US, listen to you in Australia? They're just mm-hmm. going to tell you to piss off because they're so much larger than you'll ever be. The mm-hmm. same way League of Legends is owned by Tencent, which is a which is a tens of billions of dollar company in China. Mm-hmm. The same way that so. other certain companies are, are owned by different things, right? So that's that's one part. So a lot of it then comes down to either the publisher themselves doing something. So League of Legends is extremely active in the school space and educating people. They've got a Learn With League program where they're Mm. educating parents and teachers and and a lot of this around mental health, inclusion and physicality aspects Mm -hmm. and taking breaks from gaming, etc. They've taken that on, but other games haven't. So then it becomes to the governments that we're talking to and them saying... 
at the moment, they don't even understand it because they're saying, what, what portfolio does this fit under? Is this, is this entertainment? Is this sport? Mm-hmm. Is this business? Is this IT? They don't even know where to begin to start off with that. Yeah. There are some countries that are quite f- far ahead. For example, Malaysia now has an esports commissioner as part of it and they've got an esports strategy so it would be up to them to look mm-hmm. after that and they've mm-hmm. talked about some, some aspects of this in there mm-hmm. or Japan as well who have very heavy regulations on sport do also in esports for example you can't run a competition with cash prizes without being accredited by their government accredited association the Japan Esports Association uh, I think that's the name something similar one, one of those kind of mm-hmm. yeah one of those so names. you think that's <clears throat> so you think that's a realistic future for gaming around the world is that you would have esports organizations in each you know individual region or or country or whatever it is and that's kind of the governing body that makes sure that holds the mm, gaming promoters to the standards that they should have so an easy example is gambling and loot boxes there was an australian inquiry into loot boxes yeah i remember this because a loot box is often it's it's basically just gambling you buy a key you might mm-hmm. you might win the loot box you might buy a key for $2.50 to open it but you have a 0.2% chance of getting an in-game item that might be worth $20,000 up mm-hmm. to but ultimately that's that's gambling you're pulling yeah. the pokies <laughs> yeah. handle in the hope that you hit the jackpot actually. Yeah. I remember reading about this when it all came out. I'd never heard the concept of a, of a loot yeah. box. Can you explain it a bit more though? Yeah, exactly. So if you use the example, most of it was based around Overwatch and also CSGO. Yeah. So when you play a game, you might get a drop after the game. You might say, hey, congrats, you played a game, you've won a, you've won a free in-game cosmetic item for, mm-hmm. for a skin or for a hero or a map or something special like that. Sometimes you can get what's called a loot box and it might drop. So you might get this box. And within that box, if you can open it, you've got a certain percentage to get different quality of items. You might mm-hmm. get an item that's really rare and other people don't have. You might get an item that you can resell on a public um, sell space. So I might have that's a wild. digital item that I can sell to you for 400 bucks yeah, that can right. be purchased or even up to 5,000 in some cases in Counter-Strike, mm-hmm. especially in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, but to open that, I'll need to buy a key, which is say two bucks fifty. So the argument from the government side is is that this is gambling because you've got a loot box. The uh, publisher doesn't publicize what percentage of likeliness yeah. you are to win each thing. It's poker. Um, and then you've got to, yeah, exactly. So they, that's their argument that it's like poker, you've got to open up. So in some mm-hmm. countries, as far as I understand, I think Sweden has banned them entirely. Mm-hmm. Other countries um, make Blizzard or the developers stipulate what the percentages are mm-hmm. um, and other countries are undecided so far. As and what are we? Where are we in Australia? That's a good question. I need to look it up. I don't, mm. I don't think, I, I don't think that anything has been actioned yet from the results, but someone could look it up. There's there's been a there's been a government um, yeah there's been a government inquiry into it. So yeah, fair enough. Knowledge. It's yeah, it's pretty pretty fascinating. Um, not something that I would have thought about ever or, or known about, and, and did come across my um, computer screen. And, and um, yeah, yeah, it's so. Mm, I'm very I'm very I love anything that gets people fired up. Like I'm all for you know I lo- I love technology. Um, I love the internet, but I hate social media. You know, I think it's a really, it's, it's hugely detrimental to us as a society. I believe that. And maybe that's just because it's the real, um, uh, I guess, 15 minutes of fame of other people's lives and influences and, you know, yeah. fake boobs and fake booties and guys with big muscles. You know, that yeah. kind of, that's what's making people feel like they're less than, you know, I think that is yeah. a big part of it. But I think another big part of it is the fact that it is, stealing our time away stealing our attention you know i really yep. feel like that's that's a big part of it is there any um i'm sure they've done studies and i'm not sure you know i'm not sure if you know of them or, or if you have any feedback but there's a huge rise in the mental health in there's a mental health epidemic going on effectively and mm-hmm. a lot of people blame social media but along the same time you know, um i'm not very, being very eloquent today i keep messing up my words <laughs> that's all right um but um, so along the same timeline, though, was the rise of esports. Mm. So is there a correlation between esports, you think, and a rise in mental health um, issues? I don't, I don't think so because I, I, I don't have any studies, obviously, mm. about this, but some anecdotal evidence. So, for example, people who go to school and don't feel part of a friendship group because they don't enjoy the same things that other people enjoy. Mm-hmm. So a direct example is some people I know who run a university group were kind of given this girl by the psych staff at, at the university. And they mm-hmm. said, look, she doesn't really have any friends. She doesn't feel like she fits in with anyone. No one has any similar things. And she's too scared to talk to anyone, lecturers, um, her other students, anyone like that. Mm-hmm. And it turns out she was a massive World of Warcraft fan. And so was so many people that were in that group. So they pass it 
to the group, she kept coming back every single week because she could talk about something that she actually liked, which was World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. And then she came out of her shell because of that. She found other people that had similar likeness to them. Another example for me is GG Easy Bar on 99 Queen Street here. Mm-hmm. It's an esports bar. So mm-hmm. it's a sports bar, the same way that you might see rugby AFL on all the screens. It's just got games on all mm-hmm. the screens. There's not really any computers to play, or any consoles to play. It's just about going there. They've got great quality, like Japanese, Australian fusion food as well. Yeah, cool. It's fantastic. Makes it easy to recommend. Mm-hmm. And good drinks and well, well-priced. But mm-hmm. for them too, for me, I've never enjoyed a sports bar because it's not my scene at all. Yep. I don't get along with that with that bloke a bloke aspect, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the same way that these people have preconceived ideas about gamers, gamers have preconceived ideas at sports bars where you go to drink VB and punch each other in the head. <laughs> so I feel very at home at GG Easy Bar because I just talk the same language basically as everyone yeah. else there. I'm watching different games on the screens. There's other evidence around high school esports. It's been a very big thing in Australia and especially overseas. Mm. Um, with the company PlayVS who's raised what is it today, like 100 to 150 mil USD today mm-hmm. in capital in total. Um, and they and and that too has helped people actually go to school because the, the very simple argument um, that I can make for that is my friends used to skip school a lot to stay home and play games for seven hours that day. Mm-hmm. Would you rather them do that or would you rather them come to school for six hours and then play games for one hour of it? because at least then they're getting six hours of schooling. And what they can see is that there's a lot of positive peer pressure based around that too, where these high school leagues have the teachers and the principal obviously know that the league's happening, but it's quite often primarily an after-school activity. But if they're not participating in school, if they're not turning up, they're not handing in their assignments, they can be banned from the league. They can be given a hiatus from a few games. So there's a lot of positive peer pressure then of the four other mates saying, or come to school because we're about to be kicked out of the tournament because you simply don't <laughs> yeah. want to turn up because you want to stay home and play games. Yeah. So you're getting people active. So once again, it's it's giving... It's, it's, the way I see it is is you're giving people what they want, but it's because you need to spin it in a social way. There needs to be something behind it. The same way that we're saying that if you want to promote these um, healthy eating alternative companies, you need to use the same kind of vehicles. You need to give them something that they care about. The Mm. same way that people don't necessarily just want to go to a skate park anymore. They don't just want to play board games. If you can Mm. get them out with the video game, but there's a good social message and actually something behind it, then you can can get the interest to them. Mm. You know what? It's a fantastic answer. But I, I just, I don't know about it. I don't yeah. know about it. Well, uh, but I agree with a lot of what you said. Yeah. You know, because you, you basically, you know, your answer was crafted around community. Yeah. Because that is really the thing that, and I always waffle on about this on this podcast whenever I can relate something to it because I think in this whole um, rise of, you know, mental health epidemic, whatever it is, mm. it's, I believe, around the fact that we don't have as tight a community as we once would, you know? So, yeah. and, um, and community is great. So, you know, if you have... I'm really enjoying, like I said, the new climbing gym that I'm at. And I've started to make some buddies down there. It's cool. Yep. I'm meeting new people. I have a weightlifting club that I'm a part of. Um, I may play football with my brother. I haven't played football in eight years, but he's playing this year. And I, I like, I don't like the blokey bloke football environment, but I like just hanging out with people. Yeah. Um, so community's huge. And I understand that there would be a tight, strong community in gaming, but it's all, it just seems too virtual to me. Because for example, if we've got, like, this is now, right? This is now the, the rise of esports. Mm. Where will it be in 10 or 15 years, you know? Mm-hmm. If, it's ro- if it's gaining traction so rapidly and it's really about to explode and it is exploding, then I just feel like... It, I feel like it would be unstoppable, really. I feel like esports and gaming in general will be unstoppable. It's like social media on steroids. Mm. But when we get to that point in 10 or 15 years... I just can't see that it could be a healthy... I, don't, I just think there's, there's so many issues. I mean, and all your answers have, you know, steps that are going in the right direction. But I'm just, I'm very, I'm very much, you know, sitting on the, the other side of the fence to you and whether it's a good or bad I think it's important to, to see too the crossovers that the people who play games is not the only thing they do. So the same way that you said that that you do the bouldering gym plus the weightlifting, mm-hmm. etc. So for me, I play games. I also do jiu-jitsu. And mm-hmm. I see a lot of crossovers there with the friendliness in jiu-jitsu and why yeah. it's a welcoming community because yeah. everyone's choking each other out. It's a very humbling sport, mm-hmm. similar, similar to esports. So you've got these different communities that happen. But there's also a lot of studies of crossover between certain video games and certain sports as well. So video game... Uh, 
players and esports fanatics are very likely to be fans of single or small team sports like golf mm-hmm. um, or um, basketball. Because, for example, with basketball, it's, it's 5v5 on the court. Mm-hmm. Similar to most esports and games, are 4v4, 5v5, 6v6. Gotcha. Some are 2v2, whatever. But you've got that similar small team aspect. Also, you can shoot hoots by yourself the same way you can play games by yourself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of gamers, they seem to like that small team atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And similar with me with my mates. Most of the time when we hang out, there's not 15, 20 of us on a footy trip, for example. Mm-hmm. There's usually three to six of us hanging out because we can all have that talk and, and be part of that community. Yeah, well, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative about it. Yeah. I'm just trying to push back and play devil's advocate. Um, yeah, as I said, I really love tech. I just think there's a lot of issues with the rise of tech in our lives. Um, but so, as far as you know, I just mentioned the future, or I briefly touched on you know where we might be in ten or fifteen years, and I have no idea really. So, where do you think esports is heading? Like in ten years, fifteen, mm-hmm. twenty years? What's on the horizon for, you know, the community? Look the same as traditional sports, but add in a whole bunch of content creation on top mm-hmm. of that. So a big thing that, that happens in the esports space or the gaming space is that I guess if you look in traditional sports, right, you don't see the top stars are creating their own content. They're not getting hands on with their fans. And that's one of the big advantages of the gaming space. So not only is a top player one of the best in the world, but often they're streaming. They're interacting with people. They're doing their own meetups. They're taking on their own sponsorship. They're going out on their own and doing interactivity and building their own little communities among the other things. They're not relying on Aston Villa to do it for them, Collingwood mm-hmm. Football Club to do it for mm-hmm. them, etc. So, you know, esports has seen that meteoric rise where now it's, it's valued at somewhere around a billion dollars globally, USD. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to keep growing just like traditional sports have there's going to be more live facilities that are opening that's a big trend at the moment around the Mm -hmm. world Um, there's a lot of gaming teams that now have their own up to 20,000 square foot facilities just like traditional sports teams do they have their offices in their production studios but also training facilities for their teams uh, where they've got full-time chefs that that prepare meals for them dietitians exercise coaches um, mental coaches etc etc that are Mm -hmm. all part of those services Um, and then you're going to see more of the the grassroots offerings come up as well feeding into those Mm -hmm. and more of these global leagues that are happening for example like the dota 2 league uh the the dota 2 international 34.6 million dollars prize pool just finished in china a few months ago tickets sold out in 30 seconds for that um league of legends is going into china in a big way next year um i think their finals this year was something like a 12,000 um seat it's going to be 25,000 next year and i'll be extremely surprised if that doesn't sell out and they'll just start going bigger and bigger from there on in you'll see larger salaries larger buyouts for players for example a, a buyout happened just the other day for 1.5 mil for a league of legends player another league of legends player signed a a two to three million dollar contract over two years mm-hmm. so starting to get into the real sport money sense yeah. where it's at you know afl nfl mls type numbers not quite at fifa numbers yet mm-hmm. interesting so i'm a big um ufc fan are you yeah yeah well you're a jiu-jitsu man so i thought thought you might be so um i've watched uh I watched every fight from UFC 32 when Dana White and his buddies bought it up until UFC 100. I've watched every fight because yeah, I right. had the um, DVDs, the UFC 10-part yeah. pay-per-view DVDs. Yeah, right. Um, anyway, I followed it. Basically, I followed it quite heavily since UFC 50-odd. Um, and then I bought the old DVDs and then watched it all the way yep. through. And then I've been a big fan ever since. And I remember that um, Dana White said, um, we want to be the biggest sport in the world. We, we're going to be bigger than the NFL in 10 years. <clears throat> yeah. And he said that maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, and people, yeah, and people yeah, laughed three. at him. Yeah. You know, they weren't even bigger than boxing then. Yeah. So the, the sport that I would say that has had the biggest meteoric rise in our generation would probably be the UFC or mixed martial arts as a sport. Yeah. And UFC is the, obviously the league. Yeah. <clears throat> so Dana White was laughed at 10 years ago when he said, you know, we want to be bigger than the NFL. And now worldwide, they probably are. You know, in America, they're probably not. But... In 10 or 20 years, judging by, I don't know anything about the trajectory, but judging from what you've told me and the very little that I do know, I feel like it's growing so fast that you could make a similar outlandish statement. But would you see that in 10 years' time or 20 years' time that, you know, the major sports worldwide are European football? Yeah. You know, UFC, maybe NFL or NBA, and 
esports. Is that a fair statement on the trajectory of how fast it's growing? Yeah, for sure. And it, remember, it's important to remember that esports is a category. So underneath yes. esports, you got League of Legends, Fortnite, etc. Yeah, each but game if, or each. Sport but if in you look at right. like some of the numbers, for example, Fortnite, their their league um, for their Fortnite World Cup for this year, hundred million dollars prize pool mm-hmm. as a whole. They they went to uh, how many acres was the facility? It was like a multiple acre facility where the global finals were. Mm-hmm. And they've got people there like Ninja who has 7 million Twitter followers. They've got people there like FaZe Clan whose FaZe's Instagram account has 7 million followers. They're invested in by Offset, who's Cardi B's husband. Mm-hmm. They've got NFL players. They've got um, Ben Simmons is one of their main ambassadors. Who's Aussie, got the biggest following, NBA, um, social media following worldwide in esports? For an esports team, FaZe by like 100 fold. But the hard... The, not, not literally a hundredfold, but literally probably fivefold. The the hard difference is um, where you're crossing over the lines between esports and gaming. Mm. What is esports? What is gaming? So if you're a, if you're an influencer that plays in some tournaments, but you're not, that's not really your goal. You're more streaming. Mm-hmm. Are you esports? Are you gaming? Mm-hmm. And that's where Phase is blurring the lines a lot, which is why they're getting that 14 city blocks at New York City to their meetup. So Phase getting, is a team. Yeah, Phase Clan is a team. And what are we talking yep. like uh, Instagram, Twitter, and so forth followers? So Phase as a as just the organization has 7 million Instagram followers, 7.1. But mm. most of their top guys, like 15 of their guys, will each over have over a million each, mm. for example. Yeah. That's kind of how I look at um, global reach and how big something or someone is, you know? Like you can look pretty closely at UFC fighters, NBA players, and it's got a real clear-cut definition of how popular and how yeah. worldwide same how advice well- I give for, for games when you want to figure out how big a game is yeah. look at their social following exactly you know yeah. like and I'll use <clears throat> NBA for example LeBron has 54 million I think Steph Curry might have 14 million and then like Kevin Durant is 8 million yep. so if you look at and then it's like 4, 3, 1, 1, 1 so once you're 5 people removed from the top yep. the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th most followed social media um, athlete in the NBA, you're at that level where the esports yep. individuals are already. Yeah. And you know, if 1 you, million, which is pretty crazy to think about. And some other stuff too, like Offset. When when he invested in there, he did this some... This is Cardi B's dude. Yeah, he did, some, uh, he did some content based around it too <clears> and played played NFL with some of the FaZe people in the house. So FaZe have two 20-bedroom mansions in LA next to each other, next mm-hmm. to each other, and that's where they live. Mm-hmm. There's Clout Gang in one they're called, which is mainly the YouTubers, and then mm-hmm. FaZe Clan in the other one. He said, I gained 200,000 Instagram followers in a day mm-hmm. by saying I was involved with FaZe. So there's mm-hmm. that transfer coming mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in the other direction now as well. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at the wider, um, younger market, Will Smith is on TikTok because no kids know who he is anymore. Mm. Like you talk to like one of my employees, he talked to his younger brothers and stuff. He showed them Chris Hemsworth. Don't know who that is. Mm. Showed them Terry Crews. I don't know who that is. Will Smith. (laughs) I don't know who that is. They know some people as the bird box lady, the man that plays Thor. They know like, did that guy play Spider-Man? But they don't actually know who these people are anymore because they're not relevant to them whatsoever. Mm. They don't, they don't care. They want to watch the movie because it's really cool, but they don't care about who's behind it because Mm. the way that it's the opposite now is the accessibility. Like I was saying with gaming and esports, it used to be in the past an actor and actress was cool because you'd only see them once a year and there's no way you could ever talk to Hugh Jackman Mm -hmm. but now like one of the TikTok people we work with Jade who's based in Canada she's 18 she makes seven pieces of content per day Mm. she does three TikToks she posts on Instagram she does stories she's on Twitter she's on Mm. YouTube she's on LinkedIn because people want to get access to her they want to be able to ask her questions they want to be able to interact with her Mm, yeah they want more real people exactly they want more more behind the scenes more candid that's why podcasting is so huge and so popular yeah because it's real yeah, and that's you know. why like, I, I keep unsubscribing to Audible all the time because I, I always ask myself that question. Is it worth paying this when I can listen to podcasts? Mm. Mm. When, when Joe Rogan will have the, the person who wrote the book on, yeah, should I just right. listen to that for free? Mm. Or should I listen to Sam Harris? Or should I listen to a marketing podcast? Or should mm. I listen, you know, depending on what I'm feeling like at that time? Mm. Yeah, do I need to, to pay however many dollars a month for Audible mm. when I can mm. just listen to the people talk on this podcast for free? Yeah, it's pretty fascinating how quickly celebrity and everything is changing. I looked at, um, I went to a TikTok talk at um, my co-working space in uh, in QV in in um, the middle of the city, and mm. it was um, it was basically um, an influencer marketing agency talking about the rise yep. of TikTok. Oh, I wanted to go to that, but yeah, I had to it was, miss it. Yeah, it was had a right. meeting on. Yeah, it was all right. Um, it was pretty interesting, um, but they were talking about the fact that um, as far as the social media trends go. Kids under 18 years of age aren't on Facebook whatsoever. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah, and very anti-Facebook too. Yeah. yeah. Instagram is like fourth 
on the social media usage under 18. This is, I'm also butchering some of these statistics, obviously. Yeah. But it was as actual eyeballs and minutes spent on any social media app under 18 years of age, TikTok's number one. Yeah. That's fucking insane. And YouTube is still massive. And then I'm not sure what number three was, but I think YouTube was number two. But yeah, it's a funny, um, funny way the world is just changing so rapidly. Um, and I believe that, yeah, real old school celebrities, old fashioned celebrity movie stars and so forth aren't really a thing. And you can see it in Hollywood blockbusters. Mm. They just are way more few and far between. They're not coming out anymore. And now it's all streaming. It's all yep. television and it's all streaming. You know, Netflix, yep. all the big movie stars are all now the big Netflix stars and the big Stan stars and the big, they'll mm. be the big Disney Plus stars and for all their unique pieces of content. So fascinating, fascinating world we live in. But I, from your bio, I noticed that, you know, you're very tech heavy and you've written about tech before in the past and so forth. So mm. outside of gaming for a second, what's got you most fired up about tech in general and um, the future of <coughs> the future of the society that we live in? Uh, it's really hard to say. Like, it, like talking, not so much just about technology as a platform, but about TikTok is something that I got a lot of interest in. So mm-hmm. Jade, who I mentioned, uh, we're doing a project together. We're bringing, we're bringing in a lot of other talent because the... Like you, like you were saying before, the attention economy is really interesting to me. Mm. The fact that Jade, with 1.2 million views on TikTok, gets 68 million video views a month. Mm. And she did a meetup in Alberta, where she lives, at a, um, at a Westfield. She got 2,000 kids to turn up. Mm-hmm. And some of the kids were crying because they got to meet her. And at mm. that stage, she'd only been making content for six months. Mm. So she was a massive celebrity in their eyes. That, Whoa, that kind it? of stuff is, is, is very interesting to me. As far as like the whole technology goes, for me, um, solar, batteries, and electric cars. Electric cars are something that's really interesting to me. Someone who's been using electric push bikes for, I don't know, probably 20 years was the first time my dad made one with a wheelchair motor and a car battery on. On, a, on a bike and used to make his own bikes and stuff. That's always been really, really interesting to me around that kind of technology. Mm. Yeah, green technology. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, actually, just on the TikTok thing, just to wrap it up, <clears throat> I actually don't mind it. I think it's a lot healthier than Instagram. Mm. We have to have. I mean, it's. Ju- it seems to me it's just. It's funny. It's yeah. Little. It's just little. Can you be creative? Creativity is great. Uh, if you've got a creative Instagram, no worries. I totally. Uh, you know, I'll. I follow lots of people on Instagram. You know, but lots of brands and so forth. And creativity is one of the great things in life, really. But mm. <clears throat> where Instagram went wrong is it just went aesthetic. You know, everything's yeah. aesthetic, and that's you know not good for people. But TikTok, I don't really use it very often. I have used it. I have an account and so forth. I've never posted. But mm. it's as far as something that's going to steal our attention, it's certainly a lot better than, than Instagram because it's, um, it seems fun, you know, and it's promoting creativity and humor, I feel like. Mm. That's really, they're just like little 10-second snippets of something that can make you laugh. Yeah, yeah. Which is certainly not the worst, yeah. worst thing in the world. Um, yeah, cool. Well, Chris, um, what about the future for you? What's, what's um, you know, what's your... Where do you want to go with all this stuff? Sure. So there's, there's a few things we're focusing on at the moment. Number one is, is TikTok and the work we're doing around that space. Uh, number two is doing implementing some cool um, strategy and different, different ways of marketing thinking with companies and how they can own their own products rather than using influencers or sponsoring mm-hmm. other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to bring out the UFC. That's, that's one party who we're talking with at the moment mm-hmm. about bringing some of their ideas into esports and some mm-hmm. of the esports ideas into them, mm-hmm. especially around monetization for athletes that aren't at the top that yep. aren't Common McGregor, that, that aren't earning the big bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're also doing a lot of work with sport and gaming. There's an unending amount of sports teams and leagues, et cetera, not just in Australia, but around the world that are saying, how can we maintain relevance to this younger market? A lot of them have a couple of problems that they're coming to us with. Number one is an aging market. The yep. PGA Tour average fan is 61 years old. <laughs> yeah. um, AFL somewhere uh. in the mid 30s. Um, Harley US- Davidson as a brand is going through the same thing. Exactly. Motorcycle ride. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, you have seen basketball, the only ones that aren't really having that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they have different problems. For example, getting in, getting people in before the bounce. That's mm-hmm. a really hard one for the AFL, not mm-hmm. so much for basketball or UFC mm-hmm. um, because basketball, like in Australia, sells out most of the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, for some of the bigger teams in UFC, they never have problems selling Madison Square Garden or anywhere. Yeah. But for them, it's digital. It's maintaining relevance. It's helping more people make money throughout their chain mm-hmm. and diversifying their income streams. Mm-hmm. If you're the Adelaide Crows, for example, who bought an esports team a few years ago, they've basically capped out their market. There's only so many people that live in Adelaide mm-hmm. and they've got lots of members. So they're like, yeah. well, what do we do next? We've, yeah. we've reached our skill ceiling. We've reached our 
our money ceiling. Mm. We can't grow the country. <laughs> yeah. We can't grow our state that's necessarily. Yeah. So we need to look to some other pastures. And that's there are a few different things we're talking to different sports about, about how they can interact with gaming. And once again, give the kids what they want, which might be Fortnite, but get them in there and then educate them about basketball, about golf, about tennis, about whatever sport. They're there at the same time, but using that as the draw card. The same way that a parent will say, I'll give you a lolly if you're good. Mm-hmm. They want the lolly, but they're going to be good to get it. The same way that you want to get into the sport, come and play some Fortnite, meet some influences you actually care about, stick around, you might then transfer to become a fan of whatever sport is that's there at the same time. Well, Chris, mate, I wish you all the best. You're a very well put together dude. I feel like if anyone is going to be leading it, leading the push, you're the man for the job. I'm obviously, as I sounded in this, I'm, I'm a little bit pessimistic about the whole the whole idea and the whole future. Um, but I hope you prove me wrong and I hope it blows up for your sake and for you know all the people that love it and, and so forth. So um, quickly before we wrap it up, where can people find you? Anything you want to plug? Um, links, social media, websites, so on. Sure. So, so for me, just at Smithy Mayo on all <coughs> platforms, which is half my last name, half my gaming name. Mm-hmm. And then also a company, bigesports.gg online as well. Um, been using LinkedIn a lot lately as well to share a lot of information mm-hmm. and found that to be the best social media in a long time I've been involved with. Besides the interest of TikTok, mm-hmm. LinkedIn being at actually positively connect with people and not just share pictures or something like that. Mm-hmm. You find that it's often a self-regulating audience where if someone shares crap, people will, will kind of call it out as so. Yeah. So I found a very interesting community on there too. Cool. Well, Chris, thanks for Thank coming you. on the show. And that's a wrap. Alrighty, guys. If you enjoyed that show, please support us. Uh, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can support the show by telling a friend. You can support the show by commenting on our social media, tagging a mate. You can support the show by subscribing. So all good platforms for podcasts we're, we're uh, available on. So um, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, and also you can subscribe via YouTube at Bill Kerr TV. Also, don't forget to check out trueprotein.com today. Use the code BRO for 10% off. Check out au.yeti.com forward slash BRO to check out the best coolers in the business. And then check out athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A and use the code BRO when you inquire um, to chat about a live demo for, a, for, for building your team. And use the code BRO and you'll get 20 hours free of uh, virtual assistant services with us. This has been Philosophy Through the Eyes of an Idiot and see you next week.